Hello and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time, critics poll week by week, and discuss what makes a great film great. I am Brian. And I'm Hannah. And today we are talking about Jordan Peele's Get Out! Yes! Oh my goodness, Brian is yelling! So good. Oh my goodness, we did it. We did it. What a picture. The power of cinema, Hannah. The power of cinema. Okay, so here's the thing is, Brian, it's off-putting because now people are going to think that it could just be a good movie. It's it's so good, it's though. It's so good. It's I so know, good. I know, why are you yelling at me? Stop <laughs> yelling at me. It's very good. I like it a lot. I don't want to be yelled at. <laughs> I'm just yelling in general. I'm not yelling at you. You're yelling near me? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so this movie was released in... 2017 so you know five years ouch six years ago Mm. um directed by jordan peele it was his directorial debut he up until that point had been known really as a comedy um actor uh starring in key and peele so good um very different from this but not really anyway let's uh get into a summary let me tell you a little bit about what this is about although you should just pause this podcast and go watch it either for the first time or for the millionth time, but it's fine. Summary. So Chris Washington, played by Daniel Kaluuya, uh, goes with his girlfriend, Rose Armitage, played by Allison Williams, to visit her parents and brother for a weekend. So they are, um, he's, a, he's a Brooklynite, and they're going up to her parents' house in upstate New York. But he begins to notice some strange things about um, the Black housekeeper and the Black groundskeeper at the house. Um, Rose and her family are white, by the way. During the night, Rose's mother, Missy, um, hypnotizes Chris. She's a hypnotherapist and uh, under the guise that she's helping him stop smoking. Um, and, but what she does is she makes him talk about the death of his mother and she takes him to something called the sunken place where he more or less is trapped. It's a void where he can observe what's happening to him but has no control. Uh, he wakes up thinking it's a dream. But the next day, the Armitages host a party and uh, Chris flashes a camera at the only Black party guest who to him looks a little bit familiar. He's trying to take a picture of him. But what happens is the flash kind of grabs the guest and and, kind of has him snap. And and this black guest comes at Chris and grabs him and says, get out, get out. Um, Chris is just seeing escalating strangeness about this. Uh, he, He gears up to leave with Rose, but soon discovers that she is in on this plot and he is hypnotized again. It turns out these Armitages, they kidnap black people and transplant white people's brains into them, leaving the white person in control, but the black person's, um, of the black person's body. And the black person is kind of stuck in this sunken place uh, forever. Chris manages to escape, however, thankfully, and uh, kills most of the family. And as he's strangling Rose, a police car pulls up. Fortunately, it's Chris's friend Rod, um, who takes Chris away from the house and he escapes. So, so good. Oh my gosh. There was so much we left out of that. I want to like do a shot for shot summary. Yeah, we're, we're going to, I think we're going to talk like scene by scene once we get into it and, and we can go into more detail, but just wanted to give you sort of uh, an overview. Yeah. So I would love to hear your initial, I think I've already given away my initial. Yeah. How do you feel about this movie? My gosh, please don't yell at me again. I love this movie. I, this is probably only my second or third time seeing it. I um I think we talked in our kind of intro episode. I'm not a huge fan of horror, and I thought this was like a bloody scary horror movie. <laughs> um, and then upon seeing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what took me so long? <clears throat> I think we saw it gearing up for the 2018 Oscars. So I think this movie is fantastic. I think that there is um, I mean, obviously, this is a commentary on on race and racism and white people's use and exploitation of black culture. Um, but ultimately to the benefit of white supremacy. And so this movie um, not so subtly points at a lot of that, but I think in a lot of ways points at, um, reflects how it's done presently, right? We don't talk a lot about slavery in this movie. We don't talk about Black oppression a lot in this movie, but we do talk a lot about how, um, whiteness extorts blackness in a lot of ways under the guise of being post-racial um in a commentary jordan peele 
basically said, so the post-racial lie, because we're not post-racial. But yes, so I, I really loved this movie. I still love this movie. I cannot wait to see what Jordan Peele does. I think I said this in our um, in our Oscars recap a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, but I can't wait to see what the next decade brings for him. Um, presently, he's come out with what? Uh, Get Out and then Us, which I was too scared to see. Can you watch <laughs> it and tell me if I can see it? I've seen it. Should I see it? Uh, yeah, it's it's not quite as good. But... Well, sure. It's, I'm sure it's wonderful. It's got Lupita. Love Lupita. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Nope, which came out in this past year, which got snubbed at the Oscars, but it's fine. It was so good. Anyway, so Jordan Peele is um, phenomenal, intelligent, wonderful, hilarious. Um, yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about this is technically horror. Um, Jordan Peele talks a little bit uh, about the, kind of the crossover between horror and comedy, but this really, the scare in this movie was, was it like heart stopping? It was just unnerving. It was this constant sense of like, <sighs> I can't let my guard down. I can't relax because something's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that this movie um, does that is, is, it's just really, really intelligent. I really appreciated that. I don't know. What did you think about the the scariness of the movie? Yeah. So it's very clear to me that Jordan Peele, and I've read so much in interviews, is really a student of classic horror hmm. and jump scares, you know. That's I'm, new. I don't, yeah, that's <laughs> newer, you know probably around the 2000s is when jump scares started really being a thing in horror. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about, you know, classics, like we just talked about Psycho, if you talk, want to talk about uh, The Exorcist, mm-hmm. uh, Rosemary's Baby, <sighs> much less uh, jump scary and more along the... So it's definitely in a tradition of horror that's longer than... The past 10 years yeah. you know? uh, I mean I would say I don't know what's an early jump scare I'm thinking like slasher movies like Freddy's you know, the oh yeah and Halloween sure. and stuff sure. like that yeah and I think obviously those have their place um but notably you don't have any jump scare movies on this list I think that they serve a purpose but mm-hmm. they're not necessarily regarded as you know prestige cinema yeah which is fine I mean and there are things in here that you could call jump scares. Like there's one moment and it's so eloquently done, but uh, Catherine Keener uh, just opens a door and you see Georgina, who's uh, the housekeeper, mm-hmm. just standing there in the background and you have no music cues. It's very much in the background and not the foreground. So, but it is so unsettling yeah. when you see it. Yeah. That it's just so, yeah. So it's more definitely un, more unnerving to me than actually jumpy in the way they do the jump scares. But mm-hmm. it's it's really well done. I, I think it's just, I've, I've not seen filmmaking quite like it in yeah. the way that, um, that it's done. So good. So we need to talk about the uh, the meaning of this film, and it's been probably what's talked about the most in this film is the concept of the film and the social critique elements of the film. So I want to get your take on how important that sort of social critique element is to the film's power. Absolutely. Before I get into that, I would just like to clarify that Brian and I are white people. So there is a lot that uh, we may be talking about that we are not the first stop you should come to (laughs) when wanting to learn about these things. Um, That doesn't mean we can't have thoughts, but we are white people. And there's a lot about what we're going to talk about that we have not experienced as um, the majority race. Um, So... I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, right? Like we are kind of living in a time when a lot of people don't acknowledge that racism exists or thinks we're post-racial or thinks that, oh gosh, the I don't see color. I mean, there's a lot that um, a lot of a lot of people think that 
all races receive equal rights. And that's just not true. Um, And you look at systemic racism and the ways that countries and judicial systems and social um, hierarchies have been established for a very long time, upsetting those things and creating full racial um, equality. It's it. <laughs> the first step is acknowledging it doesn't exist. And we don't have a lot of people who are willing to do that. So I think that this film in kind of that context is very interesting because you know, at the beginning, before Chris goes with Rose to go to see his family's house, uh, to meet her parents, you know, he he asks her, do they know mom black? Like, do they know? And she's like, oh, oh, gosh, do they need to know that? Do they? I mean, come on. Like, my dad's going to tell you he would have voted for Obama a third time. Like, they're going to be so, you know, they, they're going to love you. They, they love black people. They don't see color, all these things. And so you kind of get... Um, a couple, just a kind of a picture of of this um and also you know that again what this family is doing is they are taking white brains and putting them inside of black bodies and so you see a lot of a, a lot of of conversations about black people praising the athletic abilities of black bodies. Mm-hmm. So the grandfather who is put in the groundskeeper's body, um, who's a very large, strong black man, this guy was an Olympic runner and basically lost because they allowed black people into the Olympics or people of color um, into the Olympics. And so right before, um, you know, when Chris is about is, 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 is has been chained up and he's about to go to the operating room to have another person's brain transplanted into his body. He and the other guy like get to talk through like a video call and, and the guy who's about to steal his body or excuse me, has paid for his body is basically like explaining to him what's, what's happened. So it's, it's, it's the film's way of filling in all the gaps, which is helpful. I thought that was done in a good way. Cause you know, expository dialogue can be done very poorly in and off. It is done very poorly. I don't think that was the case in this movie, but um, he basically says along the lines of like, well, with your natural gifts, meaning your physical abilities and our determination. Mm-hmm. So it's like white, it almost creating this dichotomy that 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 blackness is is a physical superiority, but whiteness is a a mental intellectual superiority. And so it's kind of like, well, look, I'm complimenting you because you're strong and you can jump high, but you really need us as white people to 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 you know handle everything else. So I guess that was a long rambling way of saying that uh, the, the it's very important <laughs> yeah, to have the social yeah. critique. I don't know, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Yeah, so when you talk about this, I think a lot of the uh, conversation about this film is focused on the social critique and rightfully so, but it almost like undersells the movie for me, just mm-hmm. how good the movie is and how naturally the social critique flows from just the other elements of the movie it has a very lived in quality Mm -hmm. and it's coming from a black director who's lived his whole life as a black man in uh, these kinds of circles with white people and so it just feels very natural it doesn't feel heavy-handed the way that it's doing this social critique and social commentary it doesn't feel like it's coming to it with an agenda it feels very just true to life which I think is what what I like about it and I do think the social commentary elevates it But I think this movie could, the basic structure of this movie could work without any social commentary aspects to it. Mm -hmm. Just like the frame of, and the filmmaking and the craft and all of that, you know, that all stands on its own. It's not like it, we're, it's not like we're 
elevating this film as a great film just because of the social Correct. commentary. It just happens to be a great film that yes. has a great story. And also, but also I, I like how Jordan Peele did not hold back from like blatant racial symbolism mm-hmm. and things like when, um, when Chris is trapped and he's trying to, he, he, he stuffs cotton mm-hmm. from the chair yeah. arms in his ears to basically um, trick the, the Armitages into thinking he's gone into the sunken place. Genius to use the cotton mm-hmm. from the chair. And the fact that when he was originally um, brainwashed, he's picking at the chair, you know, mm-hmm. day, the day before. So you just, you don't even think about the fact that he's scratching the chair arms with his hands. So he uses cotton, which of course is a drawback to black plantation workers. Things like when he uh, he murders the dad, whose name I, I've forgotten. He murders Bradley Whitford, yeah, Bradley Whitford. Um, with a uh, uh, mounted deer head, which is a very, hunting is a very white thing. He attacked the brother, Caleb Landry Jones, again, forgot his name, with a bocce ball, <laughs> a very white thing. He takes like this, you know, stabs Catherine Keener with this like elegant leather opener thing. Like mm-hmm. just this, all of this, like, again, and okay, I don't know if you saw this, so Armitage, is apparently a newer of the word hermitage and the hermitage was Andrew Jackson's plantation in Nashville. Like, so there's just a lot of like, you know, I don't think it's meant to be the symbolic thing. I think it's just meant to be like a, Hey, would you look at that kind of thing? Like very much thought was put into these little details. Um, But I think the cotton in the ears is probably my favorite part of that anyway. Okay. So what do you want to talk about next? My love. Yeah, so I think one thing that works for me really well in this film is that, and Jordan Peele, you know, has said in interviews, he's trying to capture that everyday life for a Black person is terrifying. Or just the way he kind of holds his tongue when little microaggressions are made or little comments mm-hmm. are made. He just kind of sits back and he's like, it's not worth it. Um, and, but you kind of see on his face, this like, did you, can you believe what this person just said to me yeah. kind of situation? And I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really appreciated the subtleties there. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just the fantastic Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Let's talk about that next. Yeah. He's amazing. He is so good in this. I uh, I think I'm trying to decide if it's my favorite like performance of the last ten years or not. Uh, I, that's a, ooh, that's yeah. a ooh. All it's, right, okay. It's, it's a contender. Let's so, talk about that. So good. We know how you like to rank things. Yeah, Kate Blanchett and Tar would be up there. It was wonderful. Was Daniel nominated for an Oscar for this? He was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then one for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, he so. did. That was great. Classic Oscars giving uh, the award for the uh, historical portrayal and not for the original character. But Is that classic Oscar? Well, yeah. I mean, come on. That's Oscar bait. Yeah. It's my Austin Butler's nominated. It's fine. Anyway. So, yeah. I, um, I agree. I thought this casting was phenomenal. He is so talented. And let's talk about the casting of um, Allison Williams. Mm. So, you know, this whole movie, you really think she's on his side. Like, you really think that Allison Williams is, um, you know, oh, my crazy parents. Oh, I, you know. Mm-hmm. And she apparently was cast in this role because... Um, so prior to this, she had played Peter Pan <laughs> and, uh, more notably had played, oh gosh, you never watched girls, but Marnie Michaels who on, um, on girls and she was the most self-absorbed. It's fine. But that was a positive, kind of a positive character. And so she'd never played a villain and Jordan Peele apparently, you know, wanted her for this role because it would really throw audiences off and make you until the scene where Daniel Kaluuya is in her closet looking at pictures of her and all of the other mm-hmm. black people that she has trapped and, and lured mm-hmm. into this trap. And then the scene where she's frantically looking for the keys and then goes from a crying face to a straight face. You know, mm-hmm. I can't give you these, right? Yeah. And then, so she goes from that, like, you know, uh, 
from a woke girlfriend to she's maybe she's she's obviously lured him there, but maybe she's been brainwashed to then the second he leaves, she puts on a white collared shirt buttoned up to the to the neckline and khaki pants and pulls her hair back into a tight ponytail as she drinks milk through a straw and looks for her next victim. I mean- Not only that, but she's also eating dry Fruit Loops. Which are delicious. With a glass of milk right next to it. Truly psychotic. I mean, I get it though. Some cereal is better dry than wet. Uh, I don't know about that. I know about that because the answer to that is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Hmm. We'll do a bonus episode about ranking all of the breakfast cereals. Of course, on our Patreon. On our Patreon for all of these subscribers we have. Anyway, so yes, I I think that um, this movie is so well cast. And... Uh, uh, I do like, while, while you're thinking about that, that there is no white person in this movie who is not complicit. I think that was a bold choice and the right choice. Well, it's interesting because you then get the negative backlash to this movie by, I'll withhold my my opinions on who would have a negative backlash, but basically saying like, well, he just hates white people. Which Jordan Peele does not hate white people. Jordan Peele is actually married to Chelsea Peretti, a white person, but that's regardless. But they're married. That yeah. is so sweet. Yeah, I did I, not know they that. They have at least one kid together. Oh. They're super cute. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I think the fact that every white person is complicit kind of is a reflection that like every white person now, though hopefully we're all trying our hardest to be anti-racist and to address the um the systemic bias or the 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 implicit uh, the biases and and the things it's more that every white person benefits from white supremacy whether Mm -hmm. you recognize it or not whether you want to or not it's just like you think about the scene when um uh they're driving up and they rose is driving and she hits the deer and um and daniel goes into you know, the woods to check on the deer and he comes out and the cops are there and the officer immediately wants to see Chris's ID. And Rose, of course, you know, being the woke girlfriend she's playing is, you know, standing up for him and stuff. But he, the, the, the officer isn't aggressive with Rose. He isn't assuming that she's done anything illegal, but he wants to see the black person's ID. Things like that, where Daniel, or not Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya, Chris is is just willing to be like, it's fine. I'm just going to give in. Just like, let him see my idea. I haven't done anything wrong. But Rose is like, you know, she's standing up for it. Chris couldn't have done that without her being there. He couldn't have mm-hmm. stood up for himself in that regard. He could have, but it could have ended very poorly. Would, would not have gone well. Probably. So it's, it's, yeah, I think, I think the, every white person being complicit in this movie is a really smart choice. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right, let's talk through some of these scenes, such incredible scenes in this movie. So the opening scene. So you see Lakeith Stanfield. He is walking through maybe an affluent neighborhood, Mm -hmm. it looks like, and he's on his phone trying to get directions. And a car comes past him. The car stops. He uh, turns around and and is trying to evade this car. He sees that the car door is open and someone uh, knocks him out, drags him and puts him in the truck. So this scene is just such a good opening to the concept of the movie of, okay, this is going to go for it. Mm-hmm. You know? All right. So yeah. What, what did you think of this scene? I think it's just so, so great. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know about my crush on the Keith Stanfield. Let's just yes. get that out of the way. Um, I think this, yeah, I agree that this scene is great because you kind of got him. He's, he's talking with a friend on the phone. He's just like very clearly out of his element, a little bit anxious at one point mm. when the car passes him and he's just talking to himself at this point. Cause you know, we all sometimes do that. We either, we talk to ourselves to keep ourselves settled, particularly when we're in uncomfortable situations, which he is, he says something along the lines of like, Oh, not today. I'm not going to engage. Like I, 
he is uncomfortable and he chooses to not lean into that discomfort because he's like, I'm a black guy in the white neighborhood. Like they're going to think maybe they're driving by because they think I'm going to steal something or something like that. But yeah, that you have this just very short scene that escalates very quickly and you don't know why, because again, the person who grabs him is, um, is masked. Like you don't Mm -hmm. see, uh, I mean, and like masked with a helmet, you don't see hair, you don't see skin color, you don't see anything. You have no idea other than it's a strong, well-built person Mm -hmm. who um, grabs him. And so, yeah, to go from that, and then we go right into meeting Chris and it's, he's playing D'Angelo, right? No, it's Childish Gambino. Oh, that's right. It's off Redbone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you've got just like, stay woke. I mean, Mm -hmm. great Childish Gambino jamming as he gets dressed and then you know as his girlfriend comes over and they're all smoochy but to go from this like very aggressive opening scene to almost like a rom-commy lovey intro it almost brought me to the point because just the contrast between those scenes are too great that like you step out of what just happened to Lakeith Stanfield Mm -hmm. like what just happened to the point where you kind of forget and then when things start going awry and you start being uncomfortable once you're at the Armitage's house you remember the first scene and you're like oh yeah something's going on so when you see Lakeith Stanfield's character again at the party you know something is wrong because you've already seen his personality before the implantation or the surgery or whatever it's so good yeah oh it's so good Mm-hmm. So we already talked briefly about Chris uh, meeting the Armitages and sort of that sequence. Anything else there that you'd like to discuss? Yeah, I took a I took a quote. So um, a, a big theme in this movie is um, deer, and you know we talked about before they get to the Armitages' estate, they um, they hit a deer, and Chris goes into the woods to check on it, and this deer is like crying in agony which was apparently voiced by Jordan Peele (laughs) (laughs) which I know it's like a deer dying but I think it's funny um but this this deer is just in agony and it's dying and and he and Chris kind of have this like staring contest of of just and I don't know if Chris ends up putting it out of its misery because you don't see the end of it you just see Chris emerging from the woods that's just my thoughts anyway so they get to the Armitages and um they're talking, you know, saying, sorry, we were late. We hit the deer. And Mr. Armitage, I can't remember his first name. Dean. Dean, played by Bradley Whitford. Who I also have a little bit of a crush on? It's fine. I It's confusing. Basically says, like, I don't like deer. They're like rats. And I see one on the side of the road, and I think it's a good start. Basically, they're everywhere. And mm-hmm. so you can't help but think, like, you know, his whole family is in this position because they feel, or his father, the Olympic runner, feels like he is, um, he was displaced from his glory by something he doesn't want, which is Black people stepping in. And you almost kind of get Dean feeling like these deer are stepping in where they don't belong. I want them all dead. Mm-hmm. So it's just, again, and so then it's funny that, Chris ends up killing Dean with a mounted deer head, stabbing, impaling him. So there's a lot there in terms of like, yeah, the deer are just a theme. And I'm sure I could dig more into all the different ways that they show Mm -hmm. up. But just this idea of like, I see one on the side of the road and I think it's a good start. Um, It's a really, really interesting opening. Like is his first kind of bit of aggression. And then he immediately tells Chris that he would have voted for Obama. So yeah. a third time. Best president of my lifetime. Yeah. And you're like, is he really? He drives strike to civilian weddings. It's uh, fine. So <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that with the deer. Very interesting. Thank you. I'm very, very insightful. Okay. So the sequence where Missy hypnotizes Chris. So Jordan Peele just has you in the palm of his hand this entire sequence. I don't know how I feel about it because I'm still terrified. Yeah. So you just, it's very much like a gradual discovery of that he's being hypnotized. It like happens over time and there's a spoon scraping the sides of the cup Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And then the introduction of 
the sunken place, which is a terrifying concept. Yeah. Um, I think what's most heartbreaking is, you know, he's in the sunken place. So you see him kind of falling through this abyss, mm-hmm. but um, you also see like him in the present sitting in the chair. He's frozen. At one point he says, I can't move. His body is frozen. His beautiful eyes are completely wide and he is weeping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it just hits you. I don't know when the last time you had a nice good weep was, mm. um, but you know, when you're crying, your body is convulsing, you're shake. I mean, convulsing is, mm-hmm. is hyperbolic, but you know, you're shaking, your whole body is moving. And so for him to be just fully terrified, weeping, but he's mm-hmm. frozen. I just thought that was, that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, this, this is where the performance yeah. really takes off for me to another stratosphere and Catherine Keener, uh, keeps up with him in yeah. a really fun way. She is very good in this scene as well. Just sort of like in complete control, but calm. And... But mean. Yeah. She's yeah. so, you know, at first you think you meet her and you're like, oh, she's just like a a calmer, kinder, you know, may not speak a lot. She's a psychotherapist, you know. She's so, she turns and she keeps this calm demeanor, but it goes from a calm kindness to a complete angry meanness which is and great very invasive questions like she's asking chris about his mother and what Her happened death. yeah when she died and you know how he responded and it brings out all of this guilt in chris and it's just like it's yeah it's uh it's mesmerizing it's so good yeah i don't know i mean i it's interesting because, you know, you know, the cue is the, um, the spoon on the teacup. And it's funny because you look in the scene where they're, they're first meeting and they're all together and she's got the teacup and you kind of hear her like clink, clink, clink it a couple times throughout the scene. So it's fun to kind of watch it back after knowing that that's the trigger and seeing it again. Let's talk about the interactions with uh, Georgina and roger i think roger walter walter that's right so georgina and walter as we know by the end are the grandmother and grandfather who have been um who have kidnapped yeah the bodies of uh former partners of rose and so they're kind of playing as the housekeeper and the groundskeeper which it's funny because uh I mean, I'm sure when they don't have a victim there, it's not, you know, they're yeah. not keeping the house and keeping the grounds because they're the matriarch and patriarch. But, you know, Chris is on a walk with Dean and they even, um, he even points out like, yeah, I know it's not a good look with these black housekeepers, but we hired them to take care of my parents mm-hmm. and had to keep them on, which I thought was interesting. But you get one really beautiful scene with Georgina where basically Chris keeps finding his phone unplugged Mm -hmm. and he's starting to get really anxious about it which Mm -hmm. totally understandable like he's you know our phones are a sense of safety for us it's how we communicate with the outside world it's how we receive information I mean this whole time he's he's talking with his friend Rod who is hilarious but so he he finds his phone unplugged he tells Allison he thinks it was Georgina and you see the subtle, like, maybe she doesn't like us together. Mm-hmm. And they said, that's a thing. The, which I, I can't speak a lot to this, but my assumption is that um, she is a Black woman, doesn't like that a Black man is dating a white woman. Yeah. Because good Black men should be dating Black women. Mm-hmm. But so then, you know, uh, Georgina comes to Chris to apologize. How would you talk about that? This is the the most unnerving scene in the movie to me it's so there it's it's shot in a way where you get a little too close close up of Georgina throughout and the performance is fantastic I haven't seen uh, this actress Baby Gabriel and anything else but Mm -hmm. she is uh, very good in this scene of just like this very like wooden 
it just does not feel like how a normal human would have this conversation. It's clear that there's something going on and she's just like smiling in weird ways with this huge mouth. And but at some point her smile falters yeah, and her eyes tear up and you can't help but think of Chris frozen in the chair when he's, mm. when he's being um, hypnotized. So yeah, there's clearly something there. Even when he talks to Walter um, earlier, Chris Chris goes uh, out to talk to Walter as Walter's splitting some wood, and Walter's got a permanent smile plastered on his face because Chris comes up and you you can kind of tell he's ready to like put down the I'm in front of white people guard and talk mm-hmm. to someone he's comfortable with, and um, Walter just like keeps his smile. I mean, you don't. It's not obvious that there's a white an old white man in there. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's very, there's something there. And you kind of get the same type of thing when you see um, Chris talking to Lakeith Stanfield's character once he's been, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what you call it. I mean, abducted, enslaved, butchered, kidnapped. All of those things. All of those things. It's just, it's it's heartbreaking because it's, I mean, again, these people have been robbed of their bodies Mm -hmm. and they're trapped in for the benefit of white people in an Mm -hmm. inescapable place. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because again, for so long, black people were used solely for their bodies Mm -hmm. for labor. And then Sometimes black people now are just used mm-hmm. for, can you jump high? Can you sing nice? We don't want to hear anything else from you though, but we'll move on. So let's talk about the party. Yes. Let's talk about the party. So again, the Armitages host this annual party, which of course Rose pretends to not know about that it was this weekend. And you have all of these old white people um, who are, it's, you know, it's either an old white person by themselves or perhaps an old white person uh, with their spouse who is um, in, maybe in a wheelchair, maybe mm-hmm. with some sort of physical um, disability or disease. And um, they're all just, everybody's so interested in Chris. But they mm-hmm. make all these comments like, oh yeah, Tiger Woods was our favorite golfer. Or, mm-hmm. oh, let me feel your bicep. Or, oh, questions about their about his manhood and if it's really yeah. better with Black people. And so it's, they're all very, very interested in his physical abilities, um, which of course now makes sense because they're all like either, you know, the men are like, I could be in your body or the women are like, I could be married to someone in your body. Mm-hmm. And so it's very invasive um, mm-hmm. to the point where he just like feels like he needs to escape. And so when he sees Lakeith Stanfield's character, he's like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Someone else to talk to, but then Lakeith is weird. So Talk, yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the party scene? Yeah. So the, uh, the the one that really stands out to me is there's this one couple talking about like, oh, white people have been in vogue for 400 years, but now black is in fashion and all yeah. of this stuff. And it's very like insightful about you know, how uh, white people almost like with rap culture and sports and all of these things, almost like fetishize black people. Right, which yeah. we've been doing for a long time. Did we just mention the movie Elvis? I think we mm. did mention yeah. the artist of Elvis. Yeah. Or like, you know, Miley Cyrus. Or, you know, like there's so <laughs> much there where, yeah, white people steal black culture and make it their own. And they're you know praised for it and the people that they've stolen this culture for yeah it's a whole thing that mm-hmm. I, hopefully if you are listening to this podcast you are um aware of yeah and then mm-hmm. the scene where you know uh lakeith stanfield's character i just keep on to call him lakeith stanfield because mm-hmm. i love him but logan is is his character's name you know he's brought out of the trance because chris accidentally takes a picture of him with the flash on because he's like i know this guy who is this guy Logan, you know, snaps out of the trance he's in. He tries to get Chris to to, to leave and get out. And then, um, hey, that's the name of the movie, Get Out. And then, of course, he's he's rehypnotized by um, Missy and comes out. He's like, I'm so sorry. I gave you all a terrible scare. I just need to go rest my weary 
my yeah. weary mind, all that and he leaves. Mm-hmm. But then of course, Chris sends the picture of him to his friend, um, Rod. Rod. Lil Ray Howery. Lil Ray Howery, who is so good in this movie. Hilarious. I mean, the whole time he's real hesitant of um, Chris going. He keeps saying that it's a sex cult. They're going to kidnap you. He's not wrong. But yeah, so he sees this picture of Logan and realizes, oh, that's Andre. That's Andre Hayworth. He went missing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when Chris starts to really be like, okay, something is up here. And so you've got, you know, I would love to see this whole movie from, from Rod's perspective. <laughs> just mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's, he's fast talking and um, long winded and, mm-hmm. you know, so emotive in how he speaks, but he calls it, he calls mm-hmm. it from the get go and Chris just kind of brushes them off. But, you mm-hmm. know, Chris is now like, I got to get out of here. And so the trying to leave sequence where he's just getting more and more frantic. And I think it's one of those things where he doesn't know if he can trust Rose mm-hmm. because he's, he's seen the closet box full of pictures of her mm-hmm. former lovers. And again, she told him at the beginning of the movie, he's her first black partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going through what, 20 pictures of her with other black partners, yeah. including Walter and Georgina, including yeah. the former people of Walter and Georgina. But he, at this point, she's still an ally and maybe he can just leave. He's just trying to leave and she's got the keys. And so he's going to be like, we got to go. And she even pretends to make up an excuse for him. Um, she's frantically looking. They make it out of the bedroom. They're at the front entrance. And then all of the other Armitages are kind of like slowly emerging. Like we can't mm-hmm. let you leave kind of yeah. thing. Because as we saw earlier at the party, the... I love how they call it the bingo game. Yeah. When all of the, the wealthy, older white people are holding up bingo cards, basically placing bids on Chris. Yeah, it's a silent auction. It's a silent sort of auction. It's per- well, a silent, it's a it's a live auction, but they're quiet. Yeah. Because <laughs> normally a silent auction doesn't have a an auction. It's a whole thing. But yeah, okay. it, they're just like slowly bidding on Chris. And then I think the blind art dealer buys him for. 10 million dollars so but it's yeah so they're trying to leave and then rose you know you know i can't give you these keys right yeah that that shot where her face slowly changes and she holds up the keys and i thought uh, i found a quick change so like i'm looking i'm looking i'm looking and then you know i can't give you these keys right yeah and she just fully turns off woke girlfriend mode and (laughs) but again because her character has been such, I mean, what Alison Williams did before this and what your character has been thus far, you really do think like, but does she want to be in on it? Or is she just like, yeah, she brainwashed by the system? No, she's in on it. She's a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then he's uh, kidnapped. Talked a little bit about Rod, but him running around town exclaiming about sex slaves is very funny. And what I think is funny, too, is that when he goes to the police, he first talks to a black female cop, tells mm-hmm. her what's going on. She dead face just says, hold on mm-hmm. a second. She brings in two colleagues who are both men of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all just like don't believe it at all, which I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. that he. Yeah, that he he the people of color even don't believe him like don't believe mm-hmm. it's this bad which i i don't know I yeah it's like the the structures that are in place uh there's definitely structural racism there because the people are black mm-hmm. but the structures of the police and investigating and all of this stuff have been set up in such a way that they're not going to help him yeah Okay, so Chris's escape scene. Oh my right? gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very well shot. Very clever in the way that it's done. You talked about the cotton balls. Also, the thing that he does with the flash camera when Walter's yes. coming towards him. and uh, Yeah, let's just talk through Walter on what he side. does in the escape yeah. scene. So first, he puts the cotton balls in the ears. The sun comes out to get him. He ends up knocking him out with a bocce ball. Um, I mean, he's dead on the floor, bloody like you think he's dead. Yeah. 
then he goes and um, Dean is like waiting for him and he comes out and Chris just comes up and rams him through with a deer head, immediately killing mm -hmm. him. Also knocking a lamp over so that mm -hmm. everything starts burning because, you know, Chris can't have any mm -hmm. evidence of this. And then he comes out and finds Missy and they kind of have this like the comical like look to each other, look mm -hmm. to the cup on the desk. That could be his trigger. Look back to each other. Chris mm -hmm. fortunately beats her to the cup, shatters it, picks up a letter carrier. Well, no, she picks up a letter carrier, stabs him through the hand. Mm -hmm. He pulls it out, stabs her. I think he kills her. Surely he kills yeah. her. And then he's about to get out the front door when the son is alive again. Mm -hmm. or didn't actually die and with some crazy feat of strength gets him again chris mm -hmm. then stabs the son with the key this big ornate key to the front door mm -hmm. and of course rose is upstairs listening to like time of my life time of my it's life so good. from dirty dancing <laughs> i'm eating her dry cereal and sipping milk through a straw looking for the <laughs> next person she's gonna abduct um and the scene is just it's a straight on view of her sitting cross-legged mm -hmm. stiff straight with her hair pulled back i mean beautiful the way that they mm -hmm. use costuming for her yeah um but he gets the keys to the car he peels out mm -hmm. um rose hears something comes out with a shotgun mm -hmm. <laughs> which i think that's a hilarious thing that she's yeah. just this like this just white woman <laughs> button-up collar with a shotgun but then what's interesting is that Chris, in driving, he hits Georgina. Mm -hmm. And she's knocked out. But he knows that she something's going on with her. Doesn't mm -hmm. I don't think he knows officially that she's the grandma, but knows that she's been mm -hmm. brainwashed. Brainwashed. Pretty clearly. Yeah. But he still saves her. Because he knows that within that body is the original mm -hmm. person in the sunken place. Mm -hmm. So he's, he like, you can see on his face, like, God, I have to save, like, really mad at himself that he yeah. has to save her, but knows that he has to save her. And so he saves her. And then he, you know, she wakes up and yells, you ruined everything! Because she's the grandmother again. Mm -hmm. And pulls him off the side, off the road. He crashes into a tree. Then Grandpa comes running up and Walter. Well, I want to talk about the uh, the going back for Georgina thing. Yes. So, uh, Jordan Peele said something in the uh, the alternate ending commentary, which we'll get into the alternate ending in a bit, mm -hmm. but about how that sort of is closing the loop on Chris and his mother, which I think is a very just well done bit of character development where Chris is almost by turning back for Georgina after hitting her uh, with his car, he is almost redeeming himself in a way for not contacting anyone when his mother was hit in a hit and run and just being scared and passive he's taking action in this way that you know it, it feels like a redemption yeah so um just to to recap that chris um his mom dies when he's 11 in a hit and run uh we learn kind of later he confesses to rose that she um she was hit but didn't die immediately and was kind of just waiting out there in the cold and Chris didn't go looking for her for hours. And so he was kind of paralyzed and stuck, which again makes the sunken place of being paralyzed and stuck that much more terrifying because he's, he wants to act, but he can't. So yeah, for him mm -hmm. to save Georgina from this hit and run, knowing that he can't, I mean, yeah. <laughs> knowing that it's not actually his mother and knowing that yeah. it's not actually um, the the black woman in the body. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a bad decision. It's a bad decision. But for him, it's the right decision. It's, it's yeah. It's, because it's of the way his character has been built. Yeah. Up. And what I like about that is that has nothing to do with race. Yeah. That's him healing his brokenness or, or attempting to make up for his larger regret in life. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so... Uh, the tree crashes or the car crashes into the tree. Walter comes running up um, and he pulls Chris out of the car and he's about to strangle him and put the thumbs in the eyes, which like, 
Mm-hmm. If I ever have to be murdered, don't let me burn be burned alive, and mm-hmm. don't let someone stick their thumbs in my eyes. This is my the second uh, thumbs in the eyes of the list after uh, Blade Runner, right? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like we, we're watching House of the Dragon, and that just happened on House of the Dragon yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, and Chris, you know, at one point Rose says, "Get him, Grandpa." Just <laughs> 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 running back, but Chris smartly pulls his phone out of his pocket and takes a flash picture taking Walter out of the trance. And now he is the person who was trapped inside of Walter, the the body's original owner. And he takes the gun from Rose, shoots Rose in the gut, and then kills himself. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I... I mean, it's heartbreaking. I think Mm -hmm. for his character to be trapped, to to have his body stolen from him by Walter... um, for so long and being stuck in the sunken place for so long um because you have to assume that walter and georgina assumed those bodies pretty early on for him to to choose death without a second thought over being stuck in that sunken place because Mm -hmm. he doesn't know that he could ever be out of the sunken place again like he Mm -hmm. could be trapped and put back under so for him, it's it's no second thought. Like, I have a chance to kill myself. I'm doing it, um, which is heartbreaking. But yeah, so then Chris, you know, Georgina, or not, excuse me, um, Rose is shot in the gut. She's bleeding out. Chris climbs on top of her and he starts choking her. And, you know, it looks like he's going to kill her. It looks like she's going to die. Then all of a sudden you see red and blue flashing lights. The police are mm-hmm. coming. And Rose starts to smile Mm -hmm. do you notice that creepy smile when Mm -hmm. she's like you might kill me Mm -hmm. but you're going to jail like you're you might kill me but look what look at the optics of this a black Mm -hmm. man is on top of a dying white woman Mm -hmm. choking her to death and the police are going to see that when they pull up but then who pulls up rod T.S. Mother F&A Rod pulls up to drive Chris away. Movie over. Yes. So. So good. Yeah. I I think that this ending is probably more successful than the original ending that Jordan Peele had in mind for. Talk about that that original ending. Yeah. They. uh, And you can watch uh, the alternate ending if you look it up. They shot it and everything. But essentially what happens in the alternate ending is it is actually the police. And he strangles uh, Rose to death. The police capture him. Rod visits him in prison. And. Chris basically says, it's over. Don't try to, you know, prove my innocence or, or whatever. Because yeah. if, re- if you remember, all of the evidence of what the Armitage's were doing was burned up in the fire. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that Chris can be like, go, you can see all these files. You can see all this medical equipment, like, yeah. all yeah. that. I Or he couldn't even say, go find Logan and take a picture of it. Like put a flash in his face, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah, so Which I think, it, and this uh, this ending, they changed it because it didn't test very well. And I think it's ultimately more dark than the rest of the movie. And so to end on such a dark note maybe doesn't fit with, with the rest of the movie, though it would have been really powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think you still get a lot of that power by those flashing police lights and Rose's reaction of you still get that pit in your stomach feeling mm-hmm. of, oh no. Yeah. But then it's uh, it's subverted there, which which I like. So I really like uh, the ending that they actually went with here. Yeah, you just need him to escape. Like you don't need, <laughs> but what's interesting is you need, uh, The guy needs a win. He needs a win. And again, he's he's, his demon of guilt over his mother's death, which, you know, it's one of those things where, no, it's not his fault. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you know something logically, you don't believe it emotionally. And so therefore your experience is, it was my fault. Um, None of us would tell him it's his fault, but he believes that it is and therefore it is. And so for him to kind of, like Brian said earlier, turn back for Georgina is, um, his way of 
releasing that guilt, his, re his release, his able to accept the logical truth over his emotional experience. So what a great movie. Um, what a picture. <laughs> what a picture. Um, any, any final thoughts? Just, yeah, I, I just love this movie. Mm -hmm. It's just great. Uh, uh, watching it again is, is just such a pleasure and very, uh, very watchable movie, very engaging movie. And, just wonderful. Beautiful I'd watch it again tonight. We're watching All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, we're tonight. watching All Quiet on the Western Front tonight. We gotta get to it. Anyway, you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I really don't. I think just um you know, if you're a white person, think about your privilege. Mm -hmm. you don't, Stay woke out there. No. You don't have to hate As childish Gambino. That's true. Would say. Um, you don't have to hate yourself for being white you don't have to hate white people you just have to acknowledge that um, mm -hmm. other people's experiences are valid and, and listen to them and and engage with these black voices that are making great art like this because yeah. that really does give you a different perspective on things yeah you're not you're not always right just because you're the majority so we love you guys oh oh my gosh ryan we almost forgot our favorite segment 2001 a space what a odyssey horrible transition fact. from what it's fine whatever what's your it's, it's always like this so the uh <laughs> the song atmospheres is played at the very beginning of the movie it's this atonal like vocal wow. symphony all yeah. of this uh weird stuff while the screen is completely black i first saw this movie uh at the Belcourt Theater in Nashville at a midnight showing and the soundtrack was just blared so loud it was just such a sensory experience so but this I is Belcourt pre-renovation when it was like dingy yeah okay yeah. I love mm -hmm. I mean it's very nice now but pre-renovation yes. was just like dirty and gross and it felt like what an alt in uh an in, in RE theater should be mm -hmm. it's fine so next week, we are watching Persona by Ingmar Bergman, his only film on the list. It is wonderful. It is on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. I'm very interested to see what you think of this movie. Because you've seen this one, right? I have. I have not. I have no idea whether you'll like it or not, but we'll, uh, we'll see. It's fair. I don't think I've not liked anything we watched. I know, but there are going to be ones that you, there are going to be ones that I don't like for sure. I mean, there have been ones that I'm like, I've Take seen it. it. I, yeah. I could never see it again. I might pull out parties that I've seen it because it makes me seem cultured, but eh. There are definitely movies, though, that are considered classics that I just don't connect with. Totally. So, yeah. Like, I probably wouldn't have watched Citizen Kane again had it not been on this list. Really? Hmm. I've seen it. It's great. It's fine. See, I, in, in the abstract, when I'm thinking about Citizen Kane... It's like, eh, I could take it or leave it. But then every time I've watched it, I've just been like, yeah, this is a great movie. Okay. So, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll keep that mind open, my yeah. mind open in that way when we watch it again. I've only seen it like twice. Maybe I'll like it more. Anyway. Persona by the Swedish director Ingmar Bergman in the Swedish language. Imagine that. Yep. Anyway, this has been What a Picture. We've just talked about Get Out again. I mean... Honestly, I know we just spoiled the entire thing, but if you have not seen this movie, go watch it. It will pay. I mean, our. I have a theory about spoiling movies. What's your theory about like spoiling to, movies? That I would like to share. This is that is never if a movie can be spoiled and that ruins your experience of the movie, then that movie is probably not that good in the first place. So, like, if I were to give you this, the twist at the end of The Sixth Sense. Yeah, if, if the sixth sense is only good because of that twist, which I think is, there are a lot of things going for it other than the I've never twist. seen the sixth sense because I've seen I know the twist and I'm like uh, and I'm feel like less inclined to watch it. I think the sixth sense is good beyond the twist, I'm and sure. it's almost sort of fun after you know the twist to go back. To the but that's fair. Anyway, this has been What a Picture. I'm Hannah. That's Brian, and we will see y'all next week. See ya.